Hello and welcome to episode 840 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Tuesday, August 11th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined not only by Justin Mason, but we have a special guest today. The wonderful Ellen Adair returns. Lady and gentlemen, good morning slash afternoon. We're in three different time zones, I believe. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I was practicing my uh, automated voice voice. persona it's too earlier, good. so <laughs> it's it, it's seriously too good like that is the startup like when you open a new computer or you dial a phone number this server this inbox is no longer in service the number you have reached it's it's pre- it's perfect it's perfect justin how are you doing covid free buddy yeah covid free so for those who don't follow me on twitter or facebook uh yeah covid free the test came back uh over the weekend and i am not sick well not sick with covid so that that's really really good news and uh, a little reassuring so uh back off the il doing my articles uh and uh yeah back to the podcasting world excellent well we've got plenty to talk about uh so we're gonna dive right in we're gonna start a little bit it is fantasy related because of the the repercussions of it but i want to talk about mike clevenger and zach plesak's awesome decision making these two guys thought it would be a great idea after Plesak's uh, dominant outing in Chicago, which I believe is where he's from. I think I was I was listening to that game when it was happening, and I believe Tom Hamilton mentioned that that was the team that he grew up rooting for. Uh, he's actually he went to school in Indiana. I don't know if that's where he was born, and I don't know. He's from the the Midwest. He was a White Sox fan, so apparently has friends in that general vicinity. Plesak and Clevenger thought it'd be a good idea to go out. Now they have to be quarantined. It looks like Plesak's going to be skipped, um, at least pushed back to later in the week. Probably Clevenger, too. Clevenger was supposed to go on Tuesday. Justin, simple question. How stupid are these two? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, they're obviously stupid. Uh, I, I tend to say that Clevenger is a bit more stupid. It's yeah. because of his tweet. Well, and, like, he, apparently he was, like, after Plesak had been sent home, he was defending him in a team meeting, and then he rides the pl- a plane to With, the... Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I hey, mean... Are they unaware of Carlos Carrasco? First off, it doesn't matter if everybody on your team was healthy. Mm-hmm. But you also have a teammate heavily compromised recovering from cancer. Yeah. I mean, what I... What do you do? I mean, I... Th- there's part of me that, you know, is like, what the hell... Uh, you know, you, you have a teammate, like you said, who's, you know, just recovered from cancer and, uh, you know, you're, you're putting your whole team and we were seeing, I mean, the Cardinals have played five games this year yeah, because of COVID outbreaks. Like how stupid can you be? And then there's another part of me that goes, well, I did some pretty stupid stuff in my twenties. Um, and probably more stupid than this. Now they only really affected me or anybody who was driving in my general vicinity, uh, <laughs> but like, who am I to like, you know? Thank God, like iPhones and, and you know camera phones didn't exist, or you know Twitter didn't exist back when I was doing really really stupid stuff. So uh, yeah, it was stupid. Hopefully they've learned from the lesson. Hopefully neither of them pop positive for COVID. Uh, and then the whole team has to be quarantined or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's just the hope. And hopefully they learn from kind of their awful, awful idiotic mistake. 
I think the real difference between this situation and you in your 20s is that in your 20s, you were not like a famous, recognizable person. Exactly. I mean, and now you are. There's just more onus. Like, yes. Like how they can go out and not expect that somebody is going to be like, oh, that's Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak, and that it's going to come back to them when it's like exactly the thing that they shouldn't be doing. Exactly. And I think that's the problem. And I get it. They are still in their 20s and, and growing. We have to allow for that growth. But that doesn't get you off the hook because here's the thing. The stupid crap that we did, it wasn't on a national stage, but there were still people chastising us, whether it was friends, family, or otherwise, um, or even ourselves reflecting on, and realizing how stupid it was. So, you know, I just had a real problem uh, with Clevenger's tweet about it too. Like I knew all the rules, but the rules didn't know me like some Eddie Vedder quote or whatever, dude, you're so hard. So, uh, I'm so impressed, man. That's so cool. Like get real. Um, you know, I, listen, I'm not going to take it too far. I actually like both these players. I'm going to continue to like them. You can make a mistake, uh, even a dumb one like this. And, uh, this is not to the degree of some stuff that we've seen players do off the field that makes them reprehensible human beings. In my opinion, this does not meet that level. And so, you know, don't take my chastising them for this mistake as I'll never cheer for them again because I will be cheering for them again. I like both. So I hope they learn from it and I hope nothing further comes of it. I will say, though, uh, their offense has already been in quarantine because they're hitting 196. So, you know, that wouldn't really change anything. Their pitching, however, has been the best in baseball uh, by by a lot by an absolute lot they're, they're unbelievable so they're hanging in there at 10 and 7 if they had any offense whatsoever uh, i'm not sure that they would have any losses and, and I'm, I'm barely kidding because i don't think they've allowed more than four runs this year so if they had like even an average offense there's a chance that they would be damn near undefeated they've been incredible in cleveland so we'll see what happens from that right now you know those two got sent home and, uh, and and we'll kind of see how it goes. It's a bummer for fantasy though, because you got both of them pitching. One you paid a premium for in Clevenger, uh, one in Plesac, who you either drafted late or picked up. That was really contributing big time. And it's tough if they miss a start. They only have a five game week, so they can really finagle it to where both don't pitch, and it wouldn't really hurt them. They could already skip the fifth starter, which is ostensibly Plesac, and then with Clevenger, they could probably just do a bullpen game if they had to, so that they could both miss a start, which we know in this shortened season is a big deal. So we don't have to belabor it any, any further. We've all said our piece there, but uh, again, hopefully nothing further comes from it. Before you move on though, they did, uh, the Indians general manager did say uh, after the game the other day that they were already been discussing police act going to the bullpen because they don't need a fifth starter until August 22nd. 22nd, yeah. So just, you know, when he does come back, it is very likely that he is not starting here for the next, you know, 10 days or so. It's tough. That's really tough to uh, to stomach that as uh, as somebody who has been a couple weeks and he's dominating and you're like, dang. Uh, some of the scheduling that has been set up, I I, I don't understand it. But no, anyway, it's going to get, it's gonna get weirder now. Well, yeah, it's going to go the other way. Like, I'm talking about these five-game weeks mm -hmm. that so many teams have. Now we're going to go the other way where teams are having 12-game weeks of, of seven-inning games, and we'll see how that goes. Um, I mentioned that the Indians' offense was quarantined. Offense in general seems to still be stuck in quarantine. It is way down, y'all. Average is down 19 points from last year. Slugging is down 34. Uh, two friends of ours, both Jason Collette, and Eno Saris both recently wrote articles on Rotowire and The Athletic, respectively, 
diving deeper into this situation, let me ask from a personal standpoint, uh, anecdotal, are y'all's fantasy teams dealing with that? Or have you been one of the lucky ones that's catching the, uh, the Tatises and judges and, and the other break Charlie Blackman's, uh, how are you, how are your teams doing offensively, Ellen? Oh no, my teams are offensively are the Indians. Like there are so many days <laughs> where my fantasy teams are hitting like 192. Yep. Yeah. I, I told, I told my, my main event partner, Dusty, I said, I don't think we've hit 250 in, in a day. Uh, over 250 <laughs> we're lucky to be first in the league our pitching's off the charts and we when they do hit it is powerful it's home runs and ribbies but i swear our batting average it, it's a league low 211 and we never hit above 250 it's insane justin what about your offense yeah i mean i made a point of stacking offense in leagues and you wouldn't know it by the standings <laughs> it's unbelievable you know and this is more than just the standard like oh the pitchers are ahead mm-hmm. like i don't think it, it's weird too because you know after reading what jason and, and you know wrote I, i'm i'm questioning myself because i i look at some of the home runs that we've seen i'm like oh the juice ball is still here mm-hmm. but then you look at the composite numbers and you're like well no it's not and then a tidbit dropped literally as we were getting ready to go to air um, that that three new parks are just randomly using humidors that we had no mm-hmm. idea about. Fenway, City Park, and T-Mobile, which is Seattle's park, formerly Safeco. What the freak are those parks using humidors for, and why wouldn't we know about that? That's in addition to Coors Field and Chase Field. So that's, that's adding to the factor uh, of everything. You throw in pitching strategy, um, which – you know, we already talked about how relievers, we talked about this a while ago, like in the first week, they had 55% of the wins. It's still up at 47% of the wins. Starters that you would expect to go six, maybe seven are going four and a third, four and two thirds. Like you're barely facing the same starter twice in a game right now. I think that's a big part of this as well. I don't think this is necessarily going to change. Another thing that, that, uh, Eno covered is that shifts are up as well. So that's going to eat into batting average. So I don't know that this is necessarily going to change. I guess the question is, how do you react to it on a fantasy landscape, Ellen? When when you are hitting so poorly, do you, do you start chasing you know any any blip of a Hanser Alberto type who might get you an empty type batting average just to make up for it, or do you just keep plugging along and hope hope some of your guys regress back to normal? I mean, we saw a team like the Diamondbacks where their offense was just dead, completely dead in the water. Then they had a nice little rebirth. Uh, against Houston of all teams and, and it felt like kind of a getting back you know regression to the mean do you just wait for some regression or do you really attack it on the waiver wire well I guess what I've been doing in general is yes looking for people who are batting well right now when I have somebody who goes on the injured list anyway um, so you know so that I'm not like dropping some high-end player for somebody who just happens to be hot right now but definitely yeah. prioritizing that even if it's sort of like oh I'm gonna have to move things around and this person isn't necessarily replacing the l- player that I lost but yeah, yeah that's like definitely here yeah that's definitely something that I have been prioritizing on the waiver wire and we're going to get into some folks who have been hitting very well, some some rising hitters. We'll get into them later. But uh, it really has been rough with batting average especially. I, I imagine there's some team out there with, with literally Blackman, Judge, and Tatis. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's some teams out there that, that have that scenario where they're leading their, their league batting average by over 100 points. And I'm, I'm, like, I'm not even being hyperbolic. I, I could really envision a scenario where they're 100 points clear of second place because – 
there's just so few guys hitting for a huge average, let alone if they also picked up some of these uh, rising hitters that we're going to talk about later. Uh, Justin, as far as far as your attack of offense, I know that you're somebody who, even when you're planning for offense, batting average is not what you prioritize. Uh, have you felt that sting even more this year, or is it run of the mill for you since sometimes you deal with that anyway because you attack counting categories and hope to spike batting average? Yeah, I'm not feeling it probably as hard as other people because I kind of, you know, uh, I, I plan for that coming in. Uh, so, pro- you know, I've got some leagues where I'm like dead last in batting average. Like, well, I'm doing well in the other stats. So that That's what's, mm-hmm. that's helping me out. And then some where it's kind of the variance of things are really helping out. Like uh, one of my main events where uh, I, I drafted so much hitting and very little pitching. I'm actually like the best team in pitching or one of the best teams in pitching. And Toby, who went pocket aces in that league, is like the best at hitting and his pitching is, is worse That's than mine. That's hilarious. <laughs> Crazy. I, I just 2020 <laughs> makes no sense. Nothing. Uh, Nothing makes sense. I mean, the yeah. Tigers, come on. I watch this team every night. What's going on? I don't yeah. get it. And, and you know what? They're an interesting like epitomization of this too where – you go look at the, the Tigers' offensive numbers, and, and they're not good. They're not good. They're hitting like 236 as a team. They strike out 30% of the time, and they just keep winning. It's bizarre. It really is. Uh, you know, this 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 episode and, and having Ellen on was planned a while ago, but it couldn't have been more perfect because guess who dealt on Monday night? Aaron oh Nola. He was dominant again. And I got to be honest. You know, I ranked him, I think, fine. But he was one of those guys that I kind of had in like the afterthought range where it's like, you know, if I get him, that's all right. I didn't have a great feeling on him. I kind of just had him or I had him. 26th in my final ranking, which was actually a, a four-point drop from from where I'd had him uh, in, in the previous ranking there. Maybe I should have left him at 22. Um, but he's been great. And back-to-back absolute gems now with the strikeouts coming back in full force. Or not coming back. I guess he's been at 27% the last two years. The three years, excuse me. But he's up at 43% right now. It's only 19 and a third, Ellen. But are you seeing anything different from Nola? Is this, is this kind of a um, you know, 2018 plus type of season where everything's working and he's a Cy Young candidate? Or is he just running hot here in three starts? Well, he is actually doing things a little bit differently. And this is something that, you know, I certainly don't blame you for kind of just ranking Aaron Nola in sort of like as a number two type starter, because, you know, if we look at that 2018 season, he had like a 250 BABIP. It's clear that he got sort of lucky that Mm -hmm. year. Everything ran well for him. Exactly. And and it wasn't just that his pitches were working really well. It also seems like the defense strangely helped him, even though it was like the worst defense in the history of defensive runs saved. Um, but this year, I mean, it's interesting because I remember, I think, on the first podcast that I um, was on with you guys, you guys are the best. I talked about the fact that... Um, that when his changeup is working is when Aaron Nola really reaches another level. And that it's clear that the that the starts where his changeup, he clearly has a feel for it and uses it a lot more are the starts where he dominates more. And that is what he is doing this year. That's so the biggest he's, change. Yeah. yeah, that's the biggest change. So he's using his curveball um, less, which is a great pitch, but They've pointed out on on pitcher list that it's actually sort of got an, a decreasing number of uh, swing strikes uh, over the last couple of years. So now he's using his changeup more, and it is getting a fifty two point four percent whiff rate so far. Yeah. 
So I, I feel like the change up in and of itself has actually gotten better from what it was in the past couple of years. And that's part of the reason for his dominance as well. And also, you know, early last year, he was really struggling with his fastball command, which is so important when, you know, you're only throwing it like 93. Um, and this year, it's just he's been like painting that outside corner with his fastball. It's just been glorious to behold. It- it's really been incredible to watch from Nola. You mentioned the the, the changeup. It's up um, 11 points in usage to 30%, easily a career high. Using something like pitch value, um, all year last year it had a 4.8 pitch value, which is perfectly solid. It's already at 3.9 in three starts, which tells you just how dominant of a pitch the changeup has been for Nola. And he absolutely looks like a premier ace right now and you know he's cut through some uh solid teams here including the yankees who he dropped the 12 strikeouts against and even the marlins in the first start like the marlins are not terrible so that's not and that was his worst start he had four earned runs in five and a third and then the braves yesterday um just two hits in eight innings 10 strikeouts justin off the power of these three starts are you moving nola up your ranking are are you seeing him now as a, a firm fantasy one uh, I think I am, and I, I had him pretty close to there coming into the season. So I, I've Nola on a number of teams. Uh, pretty stoked about it. Wish I had gotten him in my big money leagues. Yeah, uh, like a main. Yeah, that would have been really sweet. But uh, unfortunately, just I missed out. One of those guys that I just didn't get because uh, I was trying to you know make these amazing offenses that don't like to hit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Ellen absolutely nailed it. I mean, the fastball looks great, and the changeup, he's relying on it more. Uh, it's uh, It's been a, a kind of a money pitch for him. It, you know, swing strike rate is up to like 15% right now. Uh, it's yeah. I think everything is rolling for Nola right now, and I think this is something I think you and I talked about earlier in the offseason that I think people looked at last year as a down season and didn't realize it was still pretty damn good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if, if all you did was get stuck with Nola's last season, 387, 127 in 200 innings, that was the thing for me that I, why I could never really get him too far down. Again, I was not keen on Nola and saying, go get him, go get him, go get him. But I could never really like push him too far because it was back-to-back 200-plus inning seasons. Like you're going to get that workhorse. You know who he was? NL Barrios for me. It was National League Jose Barrios where it's like, but but <laughs> I had the like vibe that Barrios could still have that breakout and I didn't apply that to Nola, but I, I saw them somewhat equally. I'm like, we maybe maybe we've already seen Nola's best in 2018. We maybe still haven't seen Barrios's, but I thought that they were on the kind of similar plane there. In fact, I have them very close in the ranks. So it's been an excellent year for Nola, and I think it's going to continue to, you know, maybe not this exact degree, obviously, as a uh, uh, – 13 and a half K per nine. He has uh, 29 strikeouts and 19 and a third. Some of it Ugh. will smooth out, but he's going to remain very good. I mean, he has a 279 ERA. Like it, so it's not even like he's toting some sub two. The, the 279 could go down. I, I could actually see that happening. The 0.62 whip, I'm sorry to say, Ellen, will probably go up. Yeah, I'm gonna probably. say I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna be crazy and say that I think that's gonna go up. But, he was uh, he, so adorably great. frustrated when he gave up one walk yesterday. <laughs> I love guys like it that. Made me they, love they, so they're much. like their command is going so well. They're like, I cannot walk anybody. And that was only a second walk of the season. Yeah. Uh, the first was in the Miami start. None against that that Yankee squad. So Noah's been great. Uh, you know who else has been great? 
the young Dustin May for the Dodgers. Another big outing for him last night against the Padres. He's faced the Padres in back-to-back outings, going six and allowing two earned in both of them, although he dropped from eight strikeouts to two. And that's kind of where I want to focus on on May right now. Is like, it's very gifable. He's got some of the nastiest two-seamers you've, you've ever seen. Um, that just they don't make any sense. You know, camera angle plays a role in, in, in some of these pitches, but he's not a big strikeout guy. You know, he's kind of working. He had 23% last year, 21% this year. You don't need to be to be a, a fantasy asset. I mean, um, there are plenty of guys who can live in that in that firm number two range that aren't premium premium strikeout guys. But Justin, I'll start with you. Is there strikeout upside here, or is this somebody who is just going to kind of live in that? 21 to 23% range, whereas a 24 to 25 is a, like a strikeout per inning. In fact, on a K-9 scale, he's at uh, 7.8 so far. Where do you come out on Dustin May's strikeout upside? Oh, that's a hard question because you do watch him and you see some of these pitches that he throws, especially like if you're not watching every pitch that he throws and you're just kind of seeing the highlights. Like He is absolutely nasty when he wants to be. Uh, but, I mean, he relies heavily on ground balls, uh, I mean, it's already at 47% ground ball rate this year. Doesn't let much get into the air at 28%. The swing and strike rate and the O swings are extremely low. Like, I was actually really surprised. He only has an 8% swinging strike rate, mm-hmm. considering the kind of stuff he has. I think there is more strikeout potential, but I also don't know. He, I mean, he seems like a very mature pitcher in that he doesn't feel like he has to strike everybody out that he's going to get deeper into games by letting uh, teams make bad contact, uh, and that that's okay with him. And so maybe he's one of these guys that, you know, he's on the Dodgers, going to get a lot of wins, he's going to, you know, you know put up some nice uh, ratio stats, but uh, he may not ever be kind of that premium strikeout guy. Yeah, I, I tend to feel that way too, and that's how I felt coming in. You mentioned the ground ball rates at 44 and 47% as a major leaguer, uh, well above 50 throughout his minor league career too. So definitely something that, you know, with that nasty two-seamer slash sinker, it can kind of vary there uh, in, in in between those two, depending on if it has a little bit more run or a little bit more sink. But he's all right to get kind of the, the more efficient outs, and I think that's going to help him get deeper into games too because you know that the Dodgers are, are probably inclined to keep Dustin May you know, well-managed as far as his pitches go. So if he wants to rack more innings up, maybe the strikeouts aren't the best thing for him. Don't get in those deep counts. Don't go 0-2 on somebody and then waste three pitches. Now you're full. And, and we do see that with some young young strikeout guys, and that, that can be their undoing. They get so easy into the 0-2. Now they want to get the strikeout instead of maybe maybe it's an 0-2 ground ball to second for an easy out. That's okay, and I think May's more inclined to accept that. Whereas some of those young strikeout guys, no, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna get him to swing at some nasty pitching ninja esque slider here. Um, so I'm gonna keep throwing that, and then all of a sudden you're three two and you walk him or 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 worse. Um, Alan, coming into the season was Dustin May somebody who was on your radar? And it, it, either way, however you feel about him coming in, how has his early performance changed? Your outlook? Yeah. I mean, yes, he was definitely on my radar. And I think sort of as a prospect, something that interested me um, was looking at sort of how large his pitch arsenal was. And that seemed to me, you know, if he could really use all of those different pitches, that that seemed to me like uh, sort of a recipe for strikeouts. And what has kind of changed is exactly what you guys have been talking about. He uses that, I mean, 
insane to seamer 51% of the time. And it kind of makes sense if you look at, of course, it's like a tiny sample. If you look at, at the sort of like the pitch values so far this year, it's actually the only one of his pitches that has a positive P-Val on it. And so it's smart for him to be using it as much as he is. Obviously, it has that crazy movement. But that's also like it's a two seamer. So, of course, it's going to be generating more ground balls. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I expected more strikeouts from him as a prospect, but I'm definitely not like disappointed in him by any means. Yeah. And, and it really seems like, um, you know, the Dodgers are trusting. him. I think they're in a position where they have to, too. I don't know that they can necessarily play their normal games that uh, Nick Pollock would call Dodgeritis. Like he has to be an instrumental part for them. With Bueller still ramping up, Kershaw looks awesome. But you know, Mays right there as the the 3-4. However, you see with Mays, Stripling, Urias, you know, you can kind of group them how you want. But they need all of them right now, and uh, and he's really standing up. So he's he's made himself obviously in all formats, all the time option, and it's it's been fun to watch. I, I enjoy watching Dustin Main, of course, the flow, the 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 giant ginger guard. Yeah, the, the, Ginger Guard was the first way I knew him. Like when he was coming up, I was like, I love that. Uh, I love that. I've uh, never Nick actually Gabe. heard that. That's it's, pretty it's funny. It's so good. And uh, yeah, he's awesome. He's fun to watch. So yeah, don't get, you know, don't let uh, don't let something that somebody doesn't do, like have a huge strikeout rate, make you blind to the fact of what they do do, which is put up great ratios and play on a great team that should put him in position to win. Interestingly enough, he's only one and one, but that's not. Uh, through anything of his own fault. That's just kind of happenstance right now. I do think May will be in position to get wins as long as he's going five and six consistently. Uh, next up, Randy Dobnik now has an MLB best .90 ERA. Just how I, ha I had that before the season. You guys know that I was saying that the whole time, Alan. I don't know how much, you, if you listen to every show, if you've skipped some, if you might've skipped the one where I said, if Randy Dobnik does not lead the league in ERA early on, I'll eat a hat because it's guaranteed. It's a lock. Put it in. And I said .92. So I was a little high, and I apologize to Randy Dobnik and his family for that, but I was pretty on this. So I'm taking my victory lap. I win. I'm great. Um, Did you place what, any bets? Uh, I, so many. Yeah, so many. Cy Young. I had to, yeah. I had to leverage everything. Cy Young Cy and Young, VP. ERA leader. Yeah. Um, mustache of the year, just everything. I whoa, could whoa, 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 whoa! Garrett Richards is mustache of the year. I like Garrett Richards as mustache. I really. There's do. a lot of mustaches this year. Yes, there are. Matt, Matt Olson and Matt Chapman's. I like theirs as well. Mm -hmm. I'm rocking one, which is also fantastic. Just are saying. you really though? Yes, I am. Shut up, Justin. <laughs> nice existence. I hate you. Anyway, <laughs> Randy Dobnik now has a career 130 ERA. It's 48 and a third, but we need to talk about how good he is. Ellen, what the hell is going on with Randy Dobnik? I mean, I I don't know. I thought maybe that this was going to be the segue to like not everybody has to strike everybody out because True, he because he doesn't also, either. Yeah, he has a four point nine five K per nine. Um, so I mean, obviously because of that, his his FIP at two point six eight is a, just like a little bit higher than his ERA. But <laughs> yeah, like that's still good. You'll take that. Like I would take true. a two point six ERA all day. But but you know it's like. When it's that much higher than the ERA, it's like, okay, well, then when his ERA levels to like 340, the FIP will probably be 450. It'll keep telling you, like, be careful because of the strikeout rate. And I get that. I understand what 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 FIP is there to do. But you want to talk about a ground ball machine, you know. He, yeah. He's like May 
on on hyper mode without kind of the nastiness of stuff, but this but the ground ball and the lack of caring about strikeouts. He has a 67% ground ball rate right now. He was toting uh, 53% in his sample last year, 61 in Triple A last year, 59 in Double A last year, 59 in High A. While well, he had a four-level season last year for Randy Dobnik, he doesn't walk guys. Um, he doesn't strike them out, but he keeps the ball on the ground and he strands everybody. 75 at Double A, 75 at Triple A, 77 in last year's sample, and 89 so far this year. Of course, that's going to regress. But Justin, I ask you. Is Randy Dobnek an all-formats option right now on the on a great team like the Twins especially? I think you can roster him in all formats, though shallower leagues, you're going to want to be uh, very careful with him. I mean, here's the thing. Look at his, the level of competition he's faced in the Central, and this is something we like really preached once we knew that they were going to do the East, West, and, and Central kind of mm-hmm. super divisions is – that the central was prime for like going after pitchers. That's why I predicted him to win the ERA title. mm -hmm. And I mean, it was super smart, smart, but he's gotten to play Cleveland whose offense has been Cleveland esque and uh, Pittsburgh who sucks and Milwaukee who struggled. Uh, He gets KC twice in a row next. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're going to keep rolling them out there. Uh, Go and look at his stat cast page though, because it is all blue. And, Be careful when he faces the Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> the so there's some there. regression, obviously. I mean, like, sure. he, I mean, he. But to he, what? He, so, his so, ERA and WHIP are the same. <laughs> so, normal. Yeah. Normal. So, so what? What does he? What does? What does he put up the rest of the year? In, in your estimation, projections are kind of in the the mid to high fours with a uh, pretty ugly WHIP in the 134 or higher range. For you, Justin, what does Randy Dobnik put up from here on out? Like a four ERA. Okay. Uh, what, what kind of whip? Uh, one, two, five, one, two, seven, something like that. that. Plays. Well, that and plays in most formats. I still. think one of the things that we mentioned too, kind of coming into the season, was that Minnesota's defense is really good. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so a guy like this actually benefits from having, I mean, Jaws Donaldson's hurt right now. Hopefully he'll be back fairly soon. We'll get into yeah, that later. We'll, Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but, I mean, that defense behind him is is stellar. And a guy who puts as much uh, of his, uh, you know, balls on the ground, uh, that's going to be <laughs> – that, that was a weird way of saying that. But um, he's really going to benefit. And so, like, I, do I think that there's regression? Sure. Uh, but I also think, like, he's going to have a lower BABIP than maybe – uh, it was projected. I think he's going to get lucky in a lot of ways that maybe other pitchers won't because that defense is so good behind him and because he's playing in a division uh, or super division that kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, First LADC's- of all, I'm going to say this guy puts his balls on the ground for the rest of my life. Like that's <laughs> going to be the phrase. And I will credit you, Justin. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, I was just going to say like, yes, you look at his sort of 217 Babbitt for this year. Um, but it's 267 for his career, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that that's just linked to his ground ball rate and the kind of the quality of the contact that he gives up. Yep, I, I think so, and, and so I, I think you know I, I'm I'm going to go against the projections. I don't think he's going all the way back 
to like a high fours. I think he is something in the low fours. Probably I, I would even be willing to put him in the high threes because of the quality of competition. The skill level on itself is probably something in the low to mid fours, but you throw in quality of competition or lack thereof for Randy Dobnik, and I think all of a sudden you're talking about something that can stay under four right now and collect those wins. Now you want to make sure that your strikeouts are taken care of elsewhere. Those aren't really going to go up. He might inch up toward like 17 18% he's at 14.5 right now it's not it's not going up that's not a big part of his game that's all right though again don't focus on what he doesn't do focus on what somebody like Randy Dobnek can do for you which is put up some quality innings so he's been great um and I've been impressed watching him and I got him in a couple leagues after that first start saying you know just on the central right now someone does well in the central go get him right away Tyler Molly you know, I know, Justin, you were on him early because you thought he'd get some uh, some middle relief work where he could go multiple innings. So you ended up working out very nicely there. The second he had a good start, I had him available in a couple of 10 teams, picked him up because of the central. In addition to the fact that he was, you know, he's shown some really interesting things. But the central is really what you want to attack. Uh, let's move out west real quick. Kirby, Day, Kirby Yates dealing with a little soreness. Drew Pomerantz got that save yesterday. I know there's been some. A little bit of wobbliness from Yates, and I remember um, the the last save he had, or I think it was, the one against the Dodgers last week where Cody Bellinger opens up with a leadoff homer, and it's like, oh boy, that was that, it wasn't his last save. There, it, there's been one since then, but it's like, oh boy, get ready, y'all. I, I was I was streaming on Twitch at that point. I was telling him, I said before he came in, I said, guys, if he has a bad outing here, go get Drew Pomerantz because they might uh, they might give Pomerantz some saves. He literally gives up a home run right away to Cody Bellinger. People on my Twitch chat are like, "Oh, I'm, I'm my fingers hovering over the drop button or the pickup button for uh, for Drew Pomerantz." He promptly strikes out the next three, settles down. Then he has a pretty clean save against Arizona. Next time, he's only got some body soreness right now, but I think you should go pick up Drew Pomerantz in most formats because even if he's not getting regular saves right now, he strikes me as somebody who can deliver fantasy value even as just a, a super middle reliever. And Ellen, I'm curious what you think about that with regards to the Drew Pomerantz versus uh, Kirby Yates situation right now. Yeah, no, I actually just picked up Drew Pomerantz in, in the league where I have Yates um, because I think, you know, what we saw earlier in the year was that he was also dealing with some sort of physical issue when he was struggling. Mm -hmm. And so if that's persisting for him, even if the situation is that sort of they decide, oh, well, we don't want him pitching on back-to-back -back days or something like that, it could be that this turns into more of a, like, shared closer situation, even yeah. if he doesn't lose the job, um, just because they're sort of protecting his physical health. So I think that, yeah, if you, if you have the space to have both Yates and Pomeranz, you definitely want to do that. Pomeranz dropped 45 strikeouts in 26 in the third last year with Milwaukee when he really fully converted into relief and, and got that big deal from San Diego. So he's like, I, you know, it's right there on the cusp and and i agree that at worst it's going to be kind of a shared thing where he's going to steal a few saves a couple dubs he's already got three saves by the way which is um the same as yates or one more oh one more uh yates has two pomeranz has three and if things turn negatively for yates's uh physical health then pomeranz gonna have the job outright so i think he's probably in all formats play right now even if he's a stash for you justin what do you where do you come out on the drew pomeranz uh, yeah, I think you're picking him up in, in every league uh, where he's available. He's not going to be available in a lot of the no. uh, deeper leagues, though. 
to always double check because you're always seeing check. a lot of you know i mean joe adele was available in my in one of my main events uh over the weekend so i mean you just never know who, who's going to be lying there on on the waiver wire uh we haven't even talked about the fact he's throwing 95 from the left-hand side it's nuts it's like, nuts and i still remember last year when uh when eno was talking about him somebody mm-hmm was like badgering him on Twitter about how Drew Pomeran sucks, this and that, when uh, Eno was propping him up as a, as a reliever. And, you know, I got to defend my boys, so I obviously got in the mix and told this guy how big of an idiot he was. And uh, now he just looks dumber and dumber. Uh, the other guy, not Eno, <laughs> in this instance, believe it or not. But, yeah, he's throwing 95. He's got uh, a nasty breaking ball. Pomeranz is the real deal here, mm-hmm. and I think that we're going to see him be one of the uh, premier relievers here for the next couple of years. He's already 31. You know, he's been around for a while. But remember, he was a premium prospect. He had some fits and starts as as a starter. I think now he's going to settle into an interesting relief role here, and it could be super fantasy viable this year right now. I mean, it's already been pretty impressive. And if you're in a league that has, like, RPSP designations, I believe he still qualifies as SP. I don't know if that's necessarily mm-hmm. helpful. I, I know it's usually helpful when you have – a um, SP, a, a relief-eligible starter. I don't mm-hmm. know if the reverse is ever particularly useful. But, yeah, always check your waiver wires. Speaking of, y'all, just a quick tangent. Somebody cut Shohei Otani in my league, in my main event, which I find to be truly insane because you could make a case that he's more valuable now when is. you just can set it and forget it as mm-hmm. a hitter. I mean, now, the one little, little bit of, like... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, caveat. Yeah, a little caveat I'll give this this person is that they do have Jordan Alvarez on the way back. But they're not back. Alvarez is not back yet. And they had Jake Lamb, who they could have easily cut. I know he was going out to Coors. Okay, then Sixto Sanchez, Brendan McKay. Like, I'm sorry to you know go in on one person here, but, like, why would you do that? I was so confused by that move of cutting Otani, which it just highlights the point of always check your wire. Never assume things. Just always check, see what's going on. Attention to detail is how you win fantasy leagues, even in a uh, even in a sixty game season. Definitely in the six month, like never taking a weekend off in the in the six month grind is instrumental, but it's very important here in the six month too. So always check your waiver wires. Anyway, staying with the injuries, Raphael Devers dealing with an ankle and been pretty awful prior to that. Now he had the big breakout season last year. Alan, I'll start with you. Do you have any concerns about Raphael Devers right now as he uh, adds an injury to the to the insult of his 593 OPS right now? Yes. Yes, I am concerned about Raphael Devers. Um, I mean, you know, not for his career, but maybe for his season. I think mm-hmm. that one of the one of the most concerning things is the fact that he's striking out 30, almost 34 percent of the Gross. time. Yeah. And his his stat cast page, when when you look at it, is basically like, you know, blue. It's icy. Um, yeah, it's icy. So I don't actually own Devers on any teams, so it's not a personal um, concern. But, uh, yeah, when you see him, you know, only batting 175 uh, and striking out that much, you have to be worried. Yeah, th- there's not a lot of positives to take from this right now. Um you know, I, I he kind of somebody that eluded eluded my grasp this year as far as uh, rostering him. I loved him last year as a breakout 
And, um, you know, I was ready to buy back in. I totally believed in it. So this isn't even like a, ha, I got out when I needed to. No, I would have definitely gotten him. But I found third base remarkably deep. And wherever he was going, I just had other options. So I kind of dodged a bullet there by virtue of other people being available. But I'm concerned. I agree with you just for the season. Long term, I'm still interested in Devers. In fact, if I'm in a dynasty and things aren't going my way, I'm going to go knock on the door of somebody who has Devers, especially if they're competing. And I can say, hey, let me take this dead weight off your roster. Let me give you something to help you this year. And I'll take Devers from age 24 and beyond. Because I think this, you know, if this is a big deal with the ankle, they could just sit him for a, you know, a, a period of time. And obviously any IL stint at this point stings. Justin, how do you feel about Devers in this uh, very, very slow start to the, uh, to the season here? Yeah, I, I'm concerned about the injury more than I am about the performance. I, I know it hasn't been pretty, but it just strikes me as a young player that started off slow and is just kind of pressing a bit at the plate. Yeah, uh, 235 Babbitt will come back. The strikeout yeah. rate that Ellen hit on at 34% is the one con major concern that I have because he's not usually a big strikeout guy. Mm -hmm. But uh, I agree with you. He's trying to get it all back in one. Yeah, I think a lot of Red he's... Sox guys are right now. They're all trying to get it back in just one game. He's swinging a ton outside the zone, and I, you know, and and he's a letting pitchers get the first strike on him. His first strike percentage is 76% right now. Ooh. And so Walking I think that, from behind. Constantly. Yeah. And so, and I think that just kind of, I think he needs to become a little bit more aggressive on pitch one uh, and, you know, really put that, you know, you know, his, his own contact percentages in the past have been pretty damn good. So I'm not super worried about him if he's healthy. The big concern is like you said, if he's got to go on the IL uh, and miss at least 10 days, we don't have a lot of days left in the season. Like yeah, that exactly. that I mean, you're talking and, about, you know, potentially missing a quarter of the season if you go on the aisle right now. And they might not be inclined in Boston to like really rush it back either because mm. things have gone horribly for them, too. So maybe they just say, let's make sure this ankle is perfect before we bring you back. Uh, so, yeah, it's not it's not a great scenario for Devers right now. I will say the one. Uh, silver lining there if you do have Devers as third base has some depth to it that you should be able to find a replacement if you haven't already found somebody who can work into the third base slot for you while uh, while he figures everything out it won't be Josh Donaldson though because that calf mm -hmm. is not progressing and if I have Josh Donaldson I'm even more concerned than I am with Raphael Devers Justin I'll stay with you on this one he's been finally put on the IL after uh, about a week of just will he won't he be in the lineup now he's on the IL, and I'm nervous because, like I said, the latest news is it's not progressing. And this obviously, the cap is the one that uh, th this is what uh, put him down for that pretty much the entire year, that year that he was uh, his last one with Toronto, and then he was traded to Cleveland where, you know, he couldn't get anything going because he couldn't play. So how concerned are you about Josh Donaldson right now for the rest of this season? Super, super concerned, and I think he is droppable in leagues where you don't have the roster room to uh, kind of deal with them, which is unfortunate because you, you used a, a fairly high pick on the guy. But yep. like you said, I mean, this this not only like derailed his season a few years back, it, it pretty much derailed his career. It's the reason he had to take that pillow contract. Yeah, uh, and he bounced back brilliantly mm -hmm. last year. And, and got, got the long deal. In order yeah. to get this contract. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> and so, I mean, good for him at least that he was able to get back on the field long enough to, you know, get paid $92 million. Yes. Uh, but that being said, like I said before, like there isn't a whole lot of season left. 
And now we're talking about he's going to miss likely a quarter of the remaining season, if not much more than that. I just don't know that you can hold on to him. I tend to agree. And this is the kind of stuff that you have to make a big decision on. This is what this year is forcing. Something like this where you have to make a, a hard decision. I think cut is the move where you can't afford to hold him. If you have too many ILs, uh, you know, and he's uh, the the worst outlook of the bunch, maybe you're ILing somebody with COVID who's on their way back like an Alvarez. And maybe you got Alvarez, Devers, and Donaldson or something. Well, if you're ranking those in terms of time, Alvarez seems like he's about to be back relatively soon. Devers' ankle, not great, but certainly not as bleak as what we're hearing from Donaldson. And then Donaldson would be the worst. And if you only had two IL spots and you didn't want to put a stash, I get it. And then NFBC, you can't stash guys that, or you, you can't IL them. It's all in your reserve. So if you've already got some other issues, I do think you can make a case to cut Donaldson here. I wouldn't be trying to do it. I'd try to you mm-hmm. know avoid it. But if push comes to shove... I think you can cut Josh Donaldson right now, too. I agree with you, Justin. Ellen, are you sweeping that on the uh, potentially cutting Donaldson situation? Yeah. I mean, I fortunately, the team that I have him on has a lot of IL spots because I'm filling like eight of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it feels like a flashback to 2018 right now um, and not in a good way. Like there's plenty yes. of ways uh, in which a flashback to 2018 would be nice for all of us, but not not this one. Yeah, no, it's 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 not great. It's not great, Bob. Um, it, it's really bleak right now for Josh Nelson. Hopefully everything turns and it's good to go, but uh, I'm nervous. Uh, you know what? I'm going to avoid the trite jokes about how this always happens, this and that, with Giancarlo Stanton. Grade one hamstring strain, out three to four weeks. Clint Frazier called up. Michael Talkman probably going to – Mike Talkman going to get some more time his – my father's Michael. No, I don't know. If, I don't know if his dad is the same name or whatever. But that sounds what like he's think. in trouble. Michael. Yeah, Talkman. yeah. Michael. Michael just. You get over to that get base. over here right now. It's like, okay, I'm sorry. You give that base back that you stole. He has like four <laughs> stolen bases already. Uh, but yeah, Talkman was a big pickup this past weekend, and now Frazier's up. Ellen, how do you handicap this situation? Because Mike Ford DH'd went yard. And, um, you know, so there's three guys like Talkman was big and I was kind of in on him, but not overwhelmingly. Thankfully, the one league where we kind of really looked at him, we already had outfield. So we didn't go crazy and push like 200 the way he was going in some leagues because I don't think it's just like he plugs in and he's got the job. I think Ford, Talkman and Frazier here are going to split this Stanton time. How are you handicapping the situation with Stanton down? Yeah, I mean, I personally, I do not have any of those players. And I mean, I guess certainly if you're if you're going to chase stolen bases, even if Mike Talkman isn't getting a full time job, that's definitely worth an ad. Um, yeah, I, but I, I am not I'm not I'm not chasing any of those guys myself. Justin. Yeah, I I mean, I like Talkman a lot and he was already starting to get playing time before the stand injury. So I think he's the guy to pick up. They just don't have enough at-bats for everybody. And I think, you know, guys like Andujar and Mike Ford and Clint Frazier, if they were on other teams, they would be really, really interesting for fantasy. But it's just, it's so hard for them to get regular at-bats with the amount of, uh, you know, bodies they kind of have on that roster that can play. So, uh, I mean, I- I'm I'm all in on the... The uh, the Talkman train uh, was prior to the season uh, being postponed when we thought that Judge and Stanton were going to be ready for the season. 
Uh, and then obviously we cooled, uh, you know, as the season got delayed and those guys were able to get healthy. But I think this is the reason you avoid, you, you should have avoided guys like Stanton because. Eh, 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 eh. You, come on. You got Judge staring you right there that disproves that. You can't say that you should have universally avoided them. Okay. <laughs> but he's been like the best player in baseball. Right? So the idea that like. Now, you and I made fun of the notion of, like, they only have to stay healthy for two months. Like, that was silly to say. Mm-hmm. But the idea that they had to be universally avoided, it, it, it was, it, for me, it has to be At the a, price. your personal thing of how can you deal with the volatility of it. Are you somebody who's fine adjusting to the potential injuries and saying, okay, if somebody gets hurt, I'll go on the waiver wire and figure it out? Um, or are you somebody who, you know, wants to have as much set it and forget it as you can and work on the margins? Because there were some judge prices where I'm like, I kept passing him and I did it confidently. I confidently passed on him. Mm -hmm. I was out, but I'm like, dang it. He also (laughs) went in the second round of my main event. Uh, And, and, you know, we, we, that now that's a bad process still though, because Mm -hmm. you didn't have to take him there, but it did work out. And Stanton, before he got hurt, had a 1038 OPS with three homers and a steal, interestingly enough, and a caught stealing. He's out here running. Stop running. That's probably how you hurt your hammy. Um, so, you know, again, I don't, and, and Rich Hill, you know, already got hurt and he was hurt like after his first start. So again, you and I made fun of the whole notion that these guys were better investments because there was only two months that didn't track at all. That didn't make any sense. But the idea that they needed to be universally avoided, I also don't agree with. It was, it was. How much can you stomach? Yeah, I stand with by the it. risk. No, I, I well, stand by it because in in a shortened season, these guys that were coming into the year with injury issues, and both Stan and Judge were coming into this shortened but, season. But why with... did why did we why did we keep punishing them and and let others that that we said were like they were ready to play. I was more concerned about Judge personally with the rib issue than I was on Stanton. I was deathly afraid of Judge. Collapsed lung. I won't draft them at all costs, but I I happened to never draft them. I wouldn't um, draft them at most costs because Judge, like, and and like Justin said, he went in second round in his league. Mm -hmm. Um, People were getting back on the Judge train to a degree because they didn't want that talent to bypass them, but I, I had a tough time getting in but now i'm seeing you know those two were performing brilliantly and mm-hmm. uh, well judge still is and stanton's hurt so i don't know i i don't i i think what i want to avoid though is is the the hard and fast a uh, rule for it um for, for sure somebody I mean, like yourself who embraces volatility with like batting mm-hmm. average i don't know why you wouldn't embrace volatility like this again at the right price your mm-hmm. league at second round i'm not saying you should have done anything but if he'd have been there in like the fifth round or something I don't think we should just cross them off the list going into a draft. That's my, that's my only point here. And I think some people were. And yeah, that's, I, you know, I was. And I, think, I feel I think like Giancarlo Stanton is basically proving everybody right. Like whatever opinion you had about Giancarlo Stanton before the season, you can look at his season and be like, I was right. Because he was great while he played. <laughs> he and you're like, See, I love his talent. And then the other people are like, see, I told you he was going to get hurt. Yeah, you're right. You can kind of spin it however you want. It, it's frustrating. And, uh, you know, I certainly don't cheer that he got hurt or anything. And people who do, no, like, he, I told you, it's like, get real. But the it, game it, is it, better when these guys are good. Like, of course, it, they're amazing course. to watch. I don't want to see them get injured, but I mean, you have to deal with the reality. And, and, um, and in a um, longer if, season, like in February, I drafted or not judge. I drafted Stanton uh, mm-hmm. on my Barf League team. So like, I, 
in a 162-game season, okay, well, I'm going to pencil in the fact that there's potentially he's going to miss a month or two months or something like that here and there. You know, I can survive that off the waiver wire, and especially in a shallower format. Uh, but in a 60-game season, like any injury scare, so much more impactful. I just yep. I was avoiding it because I I didn't want to be in this situation because you if he's going to miss a month, you have to drop him. That's four of the remaining six weeks so of the season. Yeah, it says three to four weeks. I think Stanton is a drop, by the way. Let's, yeah. let's add that in. Um, what is the disconnect between the news we were getting on on Judge and what is actually going on with him, though? Because it seemed so remarkably bleak, and now he looks like the best player in baseball not named Fernando Tatis. So what changed there? Like, what did the lung uncollapse? Did it stand back <laughs> up? Like, what happened there? Because I feel I feel almost duped. Like, you know, because I, I was nervous and, and avoiding him. They were saying yet, he might not be ready for the start of the, you know, the shortened season. The yeah, I mean, I this is like, I think, a prime example of don't believe everything you read or that the coaches or, or organizations say because they're often not going to tell you the truth. Um, yeah. I still think it was the right process to go, you know, I'm not going to deal with it. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take someone else. Uh, but that being said... There was said, a price, but he never reached that price really for me. I mean, he never was... Go- or at least in the leagues I was in, he never went behind Jorge Soler. And like, so it's like... And, and we, we, you and I, uh, I believe we even mentioned mm-hmm. that exact comparison where we preferred Soler. And I'll stand by that. I did too. Even with the process of it. Obviously, the result has not played out to that same degree not that Solaire's some clown with five homers and a 925 ops no. so it's not like we lost out all that much uh anyway so yeah okay um but i, I just it's so hard to deal with and and hopefully stanton gets back soon um but with with the three players there with talkman frazier and uh and uh mike ford excuse me i'm favoring talkman the most but i'm probably not really getting involved with it in in 10 or even 12 team leagues right now Mm -hmm. that's kind of how i'm feeling all right last bit of injury news then we'll get into some of these uh rising hitters jose abreu has a hip issue he left on monday night's game against the amazing tigers and rick renteria Mm -hmm. said he's hopeful that it's minor that doesn't sound great um a little bit nervous there this seems like it would open up playing time probably for James McCann, if I had to guess, because I think Grandal would go to first. So I think it would make things better for Grandal because he'd get back from get out from behind the dish. And then like McCann and Zach Collins would get some playing time there. So, Justin, if Abreu did have to go to the I.L., would you have any interest in McCann or Collins as a uh, in, in one or two catcher leagues or any? Yeah, I, I think in – two catcher leagues I definitely would be interested in McCann there are some leagues where I think Collins may even still have catcher eligibility though I I think so um Mm -hmm. I'll check NFBC while you're talking I don't think he has it in NFBC but okay but I think there are other formats where he might like he could acquire it pretty quickly though Mm -hmm. so that Although he might just play first base is the thing. And yeah. Collins might just be There's the no first reason base for him to be there. behind the plate mm. when you have Grantall. Yeah. Uh so I think they're interesting, especially because E five has been banged up and not been able to play. And mm. so now he they just have got back. Yeah, so now they've got spots at first and DH where they can kind of and I mean E five sucked. Like he oh, was yeah, he was brutal before yeah. he even got uh injured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean they could easily do that. I'd be really interested to see like how in 
are the White Sox this season for a postseason run? Because Andrew Vaughn is in their play or in their player pool. I was going to tee that up for uh, for Allen there, so I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, and he is. I think he's legit ready to to play right now, and so. Uh, if for some reason it seems like Abreu's going to miss some extended time uh, and go on the IL for a while, I might in deeper formats. Obviously, NFBC, you've got to wait till guys are actually up before you can, you know, pull the trigger on a guy. But mm-hmm. I unless might... they were drafted and cut, which Vaughn yeah. uh, very, very, was very, not. very, very likely yeah. was not. Uh, so I would, in a deeper, like a 15 team mixed or AL only right now. Like, I would be grabbing Vaughn just on the chance that Abreu hits the IL uh, and he could come up because I think he could be an impact bat right away. This could be a, a, a sneak play there. And by the way, McCann, uh, for, for his part, is hitting 345 with three homers, kind of backing up his little breakout last year that was Babbitt fueled with a 359. Well, he's got a 389 Babbitt this year. So McCann's doing something right. He could get some more playing time, like I said, with Grandal taking some first base. But if it were a long term thing, I do think Vaughn might be in the picture. Ellen, if Andrew Vaughn were called up, what kind of budget would you be dropping on him in like the NFBC situations here? Oh, well, I what what is your what's the overall fab on that? You get a th- we got a, the same thousand. <laughs> yeah, everybody for, gets for a thousand, months. but nobody has a thousand left. I think the average right, right now is about four hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, people have been spending hard. So yeah, I would say most people the high end would probably still be toting like six, seven hundred. If you're playing every week and 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 really going all in, um, and and or maybe if things are working out really well for you, maybe you have more. But like, what think about it like a six hundred left? How much of that would you put on Vaughn if they said Abreu's out for a month and we're calling up Vaughn? Oh well, if we knew what the timetable was, then I feel like yeah, I definitely want to put more on it. But I think that, and and maybe I'm just like sort of conservative with my fab bids unless I'm like I absolutely have this need I guess if you're the Abreu owner and it's like a large enough league that there's not a lot else on the waiver wire then yeah I would want to make sure that I'd get him and like I don't I don't know what that might be like and how crazy would you go and and don't worry uh, Ellen Justin's gonna say some crazy number anyway and blow you out of the water I don't know I mean I'm not gonna go crazy crazy because I just don't I thought you I thought you'd say like five five ten or something no I don't think you do that because I just don't think he's on the radar of a ton of people necessarily uh but I do think I mean hmm, this is hard because there's just so few impact players that are gonna come up again this would be probably at the earliest like next sunday and this is a a currently fictional world where we have some sort of in this timeline. currently fictional world i think you're probably going to go have to go have to go 300 bucks in an fbc league yeah wow and, and he'd have to be called up before sunday to get into the player mm-hmm. pool and uh yeah i think so on the name hype alone yeah uh because i mean we just saw if, christian javier i mean in my nfbc league this last week uh, Joe Adele went for four hundred and eleven dollars, mm-hmm. and to the same guy, Jumbo Diaz went for five fifteen. Jairo Diaz. Oh my god. <laughs> um, you could not, uh, man. I know Joe Adele has a great future, but some of the prices he was going for. I put two seventy four on him, 
And I thought I was being super aggressive, and I yeah, was I would have not. I would have told you that that was super aggressive and to to bring that down. But uh, yeah, five oh five. I mean, I know that they put uh, Goodwin and Upton in a platoon, but man, Adele does not look ready at all. It's and early, it, and that Don't was me- after the four, you know, base error. Like I yes, thought, oh, exactly. okay, I'm definitely getting him now at 274. Yeah, yeah. And a four strikeout game, I believe, in that game too. Mm-hmm. I think it was over four with a, uh, with four punches, and uh, punched a ball over the wall for a uh, for, for a pseudo homer for uh, for Nick Solak, which did not count for a homer, which was I annoying. know, so sad, very <laughs> annoying. But uh, yeah, so we'll we'll keep him on, keep an eye on that. Right now, there's nothing going on with Abreu. It's 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 in the holding stage. We'll see what happens. Uh, but if you are in a league that, you know, is 12 teams or deeper and you have a free spot, maybe go snake Andrew Vaughn on the sly and maybe you cut him in four days when, when a Brady's back or something. Mm-hmm. But it can't hurt to jump in early, especially if you're not cutting anybody of uh, uh, of real note. All right, let's get into some of these rising hitters here, and I want to get y'all's take. We'll be pretty quick on this. I just want to see where you guys are at for the rest of the season. And we're going to start with the amazing Detroit Tigers. God, what a team. Unbelievable. I could talk hours about how great this team is. Nine and five, <laughs> true brilliance up and down the roster. But I want to focus on one particular superstar, Jacoby Jones. He has five homers, an AL best 786 slug, and AL best 1177 OPS. Ellen, I'm going to start with you. People who drafted Jacoby Jones definitely did it for some speed. If they say otherwise, they're lying. He had 13 and 7 steals the last two years um, in 129 and 88 games, respectively. He's basically on a 15 per 162 type of pace over those two seasons. But he's he's got this power surge. For some reason, the Tigers are still hitting him ninth. That's the part I don't really understand. But where do you stand on Jacoby Jones in uh, in all formats the rest of the year? Is this somebody that you're saying, set it and forget it, or just riding the hot hand? Oh, well, I'm definitely, I've picked him up in a couple of leagues. Um, just sort of seeing that he's in the top 10% of the league or better in like barrel rate, expected slug, uh, WOBA, like ex- uh, expected WOBA on contact, hard hit rate, all that stuff. I was like, this is worth it for me to pick him up. Mm-hmm. And like he has a 375 BABIP, um, but like it's normal for his career. So his batting average will regress. And also his home run to fly ball rate is 45%. So his homers could also regress, but he's just pounding the ball and he's pulling it more than he has. So, you know, it's such a small sample, but maybe he's actually doing something sort of different. So, I mean, I think I'm definitely keeping an eye on him. I'm not just setting him and forgetting about it, but I, yeah, I'm interested. I think he's usable. Justin, Jacoby Jones, do you agree that he's somebody that, you know, should be on a roster in all leagues right now and and at least monitor it, of course, but uh, keep going with this? Yeah, I mean, this is not something I thought I ever would have said. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, he's pulling the ball 40% of the time and his stat cast page is like bright red. Like mm-hmm. his hard hit percentage is 90th percentile, exit velocity 82nd percentile, ex woba 88th percentile, barrel percentage uh, 93rd percentile. Uh, I mean, and and while I agree, like I completely think that his uh, his batting average is going to regress and probably regress fairly hard. Like his ex batting average is like 280 something. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the only negative right now for Jacoby Jones is that he is striking out at a 28% mm-hmm. clip and doesn't walk a ton. But 
like again, this is the same thing we were talking about with the pitchers. Don't get focused on the thing that that's going wrong as a way of obscuring what's going right. Obviously, a 46% homer to fly ball rate is not going to last. These numbers will smooth out, and I think the batting average will come down due to the strikeouts. But there's plenty of good players that we have that that get strikeouts. Like he doesn't have to be a teens level percent strikeout rate to be good uh, mm-hmm. for Jacoby Jones. So can he hit? I don't know, 250 the rest of the way with another five homers? I think he can. The question becomes, what do we think of the Tigers as a team? Oh, I mean, they're amazing. Like, what, <laughs> obviously, what else could you possibly yeah, yeah, obviously you believe that. Uh, World Series winners. Exactly. Yeah. But do we think that they are buyers or sellers at the deadline? I mean, they're... Buy everybody. Yeah. Trade <laughs> buys, trade trade man. Like, get rid mm-hmm. of those losers. They're not going to do anything. Go get, like, a veteran. Get whoever... Uh, I'm trying to think, like, somebody who... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> obviously... Um, I do wonder if maybe calling up one of those guys might not be a bad idea. I think though. Mize is coming up here. Gotta be right pretty soon. I mean, there's been I'm a sure lot of talk. Suck. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, how long is Ivan Nova really gonna whoa, whoa, be? Whoa, <laughs> whoa man, easy, easy with so, the on these nuts on that we Supernova. Have. Yeah, because the problem is if they decide that you know, okay, they're off to a hot start, but. They're really not that far ahead of the rest of the division, um, or actually, they're not ahead of the Twins. So, and they're only half a game up on the Indians. You know, they, they I'm sure the front office knows that this is a mirage of sorts. Um, so, do they decide? Well, we're going to sell, and Jacoby Jones is that player. You go, let's sell high right now on Jacoby Jones and get something of value because you, you got him for nothing. So, and what what kind of situation is he in? If he gets traded to, I don't know, Arizona or, or wherever, yeah, so, you know. somewhere where they need an outfielder. It, it is really interesting because, you know, Tigers are still in a rebuild. And again, there's definitely some fraudulence to what they have going on. I will say, though, for the first time that I can remember, like maybe since like freaking Mike Henneman, uh, the Tigers have some interesting relievers, namely Gregory Soto, mm-hmm. who's really caught my attention. It's nice to have some relief to turn to because the starters are not really killing it outside of Turnbull. Like, Boyd's been awful. Uh, I was joking about Nova. I mean, he has eight strikeouts against seven walks in 15 and two-thirds. Like, terrible. Uh, they're piecing together the rest of it with, like, bullpen games and whatnot. We'll see if Daniel Norris is is ready to be a piece. He, he pitched last night. Tyler Alexander, the guy with the big 10 strikeout relief appearance, is going to start. So, you know, I don't really believe in this. All the jokes aside, I really don't believe in the Tigers as some, uh, some great team here. But it's going to be kind of like what the Giants faced last year. You, you don't want to tear it apart when things are going really well right now. Now, C.J. Crone just hit the I.L., so they're going to have to figure out something there. Despite only hitting 190, he still had an 894 OPS because he was walking a ton and had four homers. So that's a big piece of their offense, which I want to assure you guys is not good. Mm-hmm. Like they have like three guys over an 800 OPS, and Crone was one of them. Jacoby's the other, and Nico Goodrum uh, is the third, and he's only good against lefties. He's horrific against righties so far this year. Why are we nine and five? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I think the difference the going on? The, the big difference between the 2020 Tigers and the 2019 Giants is the 2019 Giants had tickets to sell. Like it's hard it's harder to like dismantle your team when 
people are excited and showing up to the ballpark when you know people are we excited. We don't get any fans, man. We're not yeah. getting, our our attendance has not gone up at all since it's, we've it's nine actually it's yeah. I mean, it's an all time low. Like you I know, know. I and just, get out and support the team, man. Yeah, Come on, it's, it's crazy. You know, no, don't, don't actually get out and support no, the team. No, no, stay home. Don't go out. Stay home. Just stay there. Like they be like, okay, I'll, I guess I will. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the game. I guess. Comerica. Let's go. <laughs> um, okay, so that's enough on Jacoby Jones and the Tigers. I think you know you're riding this as long as you can. I think it is in all formats play right now because he's mm-hmm. tearing the cover off the ball. But you're ready to pivot quickly and you yeah. start to string five, six ugly games together where he has like one hit in them and he's striking out 35 percent of the time. Then you move on and that's that's likely to happen i hope it doesn't but that is likely to be the scenario with jacoby jones let's move on to um who do i have next on the list sorry dylan moore dylan moore was a big popular pickup this week dude is running and smashing the ball uh, he has three steals and four homers, or three and three. Uh, four homers. He had his fourth yesterday and three steals. 333, 388, 689, triple slash. This dude out of nowhere crushing it. He's 27 years old. Ellen, what's going on with Dylan Moore out in Seattle? I, which I got, yeah, I got to mention where he's from because a lot of people are probably like, I don't even know what team this guy's on right now. He's also multi eligible. So, yeah. you know, like I said, big pickup this week. Are you buying it, especially as a power-speed combo? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, anybody that you can get who's going to steal you a base and isn't going to hurt you in all of the other categories absolutely needs to be picked up. Um, it, it doesn't look like he's necessarily playing every single day, but I still think that what he's offering is, even if you're in a weekly league and not a daily league, still probably worth it. Um, what sort of notable is that he does have a 30% K rate, um, but it was sort of under 20% in the minors. So consistently did not strike out a lot. Yeah. So I'm sort of hopeful that he could adjust, but it's also possible that that's a sort of byproduct of him trying to um, put like hit more home runs sell out essentially for the power. yeah exactly sell it for the power um he also is sporting a pretty high babbitt at 423 although i think he has an, a higher than average babbitt for his career and a 30% home run to fly ball so i think that my take is basically you pick him up for the steals and then are glad with anything else that he provides for you. Um, and in, in addition to the positional flexibility that he already has, he's also played two games at third base and one at first base. So if you're in a league with lower thresholds for eligibility, he could potentially gain more over the course of the season. Yeah. You love to see it. You know, you only need four games this year, uh, in the NFBC. So uh, he has he's shortstop outfield for Dylan Moore, and um, you know, like I said, picked up in a ton of leagues, going as high as 288 for a bid. Uh, somebody got him for a dollar in a league, though. I'm gonna go down and see what that league was. What the heck? Yeah, one dollar. I mean, come on, wake up, people. A lot of RotoWire online championships where he went for single digits. Like, I get that he's not a superstar or anything, but I think I think Dylan Moore has to go. For more than that, Justin. One thing about that strikeout rate that that Ellen brings up, you know, he had, he had a similar issue last year. He had nine homers, eleven steals, thirty three percent strikeout. He doesn't have like a gaudy swinging strike rate, and he doesn't chase a ton. So, I'm, I I don't know how to feel about this strikeout rate. I don't know that it's necessarily like flailing and having no idea what's going on. Maybe it is just a selling out for the power thing. So getting in deeper counts and and trading strikeouts for pop, but 
you know, if he can keep a high BABIP, I don't think he's going to keep a 423. But if he can maintain a higher than average BABIP, maybe his batting average won't kill you. It was 206 last year, and that's probably why he was off the radar, despite having a little punch and a little speed. So where do you stand on Dylan Moore's strikeout rate and, and his volatility the rest of the way? Because projections hate him. They've got him ranging from a 211 to 227 batting average. Um, here's the thing about his strikeout rate. Uh, the difference between like this year and last year for him is he has, he has zero strikeouts against left-handed pitchers. Oh, wow. So, I mean, this is a guy who is destined to be a short side platoon guy, but in Seattle, there's just not a lot of good options. And <laughs> yeah. like you said, he's tearing the cover off the ball. I mean, his, uh, his strikeout rate last year, uh, against right-handed pitchers was like 36% or something like that. So like, um, and I'm 30, yeah, 35.1%. Um, so, I mean, it's, he strikes out against righties and he tears the cover off the ball, uh, against lefties. And so, but like I said, I mean, Malik Smith hasn't looked good. D Gordon's not an well, answer. Duh. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Mitch Hanniger <laughs> is, uh, never coming back. So His balls were on the ground last year. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like, uh, unless Seattle's going to bring up somebody, which I, I don't know that they have any reason to do no. that. I mean, outside no. of maybe Jake Fraley or something. Yeah, yeah, uh, something like that. But not. I, I figured you were hinting at Kelnick. And uh, yeah, listen, yeah, I'd no, love no. to see it. I think I people it, drafted, yeah, drafted Kelnick because he looked so good in in the summer games. Pick, it was. Uh, so that being said. Uh, I think this is a Jacoby Jones situation where there yep. is going to be some hard regression coming. Also, Jacoby Jones situation in, oh my God, look at his stat cast numbers. 97% in uh, barrel percentage, 96 percentile in exit velocity, 94 percentile in heart. Like he is, when he does make contact, he is tearing the cover off the ball. Crushing it. I just think that, that the amount of contact he's going to make is going to dramatically lessen as the season goes on. Uh, and for that reason, you, you ride it while you can, and then when he goes back to being short side platoon guy, you drop and move on. So uh, I, I wasn't one of the guys who spent hundreds of dollars on him no. uh, just because of that reason alone, but I understand why other people did. And, and maybe the season runs out before regression fully hits either of these guys. You know, that's the thing, too, is, is with the shortened season. So you got to ride it. We know that it's almost certainly coming. But since we don't know when, just play it right now, especially in something like NFBC and other formats have been taking this on. With the half weeks, you can kind of finagle it. And if there is like a, you know, four-day Monday through Thursday where he just strikes out 50% of the time and looks completely lost bench him for the weekend and reassess over the weekend. Like you don't have to focus too long term with players like this. You're getting for the burn and churn anyway. So I think that's definitely the situation with Moore and Jones, his teammate though, Kyle Lewis, who we've talked about before, but he just keeps hitting. Did you guys know that Kyle Lewis has just two hitless games so far this year? He's out of his mind. 373, 445, 67, 512 Babip. I definitely think that's going up. That's way too low. Is that, <laughs> that right? 512 yeah. Babip. It's that's how it works. To the mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it has to go to the mean of 648. And if it doesn't go higher than that, uh, you know, if it goes higher than that, I wouldn't even be surprised. No, 512, obviously, absolutely insane. He does strike out a lot too, but uh, his 29% strikeout rate is at least counterbalanced a bit by an 11% walk rate. And so I'm less concerned about it. This looks more like a, a, a 
true power profile as far as uh, that goes with the strikeout rate and the walks. And um, Kyle Lewis, like he was a big time prospect, but he was derailed heavily by injuries. So when he jumped from double A last year and had that cup of coffee that probably won some folks leagues when he hit six homers and 75 plate appearances, it felt great. He has 75 plate appearances this year. He's been even better. Uh, only four homers compared to the six, but the triple slash is off the charts. Justin, I'll start with you on Kyle Lewis. How believable is he now? Let's go forward beyond this year because I think it's it's an obviously an automatic hold and you you kind of assess him as he goes. But what's his long-term viability? Is Kyle Lewis somebody that you're picking up in a league where you are making dynasty trades for 2021? I mean, he's not available in any dynasty leagues. I can't imagine he is. No, to trade. Uh, oh, trade. I don't know that I would. Uh, one... That launch angle is weirdly low. I mean, yeah, we're talking got, about got a high ground ball rate. Yeah, we're talking about like Yandy Diaz low. It, it's a five point oh, five launch angle. Uh, oh, the four point four Yandy Diaz launch angle yeah. is like one of my favorite numbers of all time. It's like, hilarious. It doesn't, and like he's not like like his Statcast page. It would surprise you. Mm-hmm. He's 23rd in exit velocity, or 23rd percentile in exit velocity, 39th percentile in hard hit percentage. What he does is barrel up the ball, um, and while that is really intriguing, and I do think that he is cementing long-term playing time in Seattle, you also have to worry about his injury history. Um, and sure. I, I mean, I think in OBP dynasty keeper formats, he's obviously much more interesting because. I do kind of believe in a little bit of this walk rate. That being said, that that average is going to crater, and I just worry about uh, it not being that sexy of a profile once he cools down. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to go with right now with Kyle Lewis, but I could definitely see him flattening out and, and maybe it being like, a remember when we loved Kyle Lewis? Like, I want this to be great, but there are some red flags that I want to be careful not to ignore um, and get caught up in the fact that he has 150 great plate appearances so far. Uh, Alan, where, where do you come out on this with Kyle Lewis? Similar to what we're seeing here? Do you, do you have maybe uh, a little bit more hope? Oh, ow. I don't know that I have more hope. I feel sort of baffled by him, to be honest. (laughs) So I was talking about him on the SP Streamer podcast last week. And when I had looked at his launch angle last week, it was like (laughs) 1.1. And it's improved. Yeah. And what's crazy is that like early, yes, it has improved, but like early in the year, he was pulling the ball a lot. That's when he hit all of his homers. And then like, Last week when I looked at it, all of a sudden he was hitting more balls like up the middle and to the opposite field and he wasn't hitting homers. Instead, like he was just sort of he was getting more hits, more like singles, strangely. And then looking at this past week, he had a 12 percent walk rate and it's only a 16.7 strikeout rate. So like. I think all of our red flags about him coming in is like, oh, 36% strikeout rate doesn't look so good. Except for last year, it's like he was a completely different hitter. So yeah, I just feel like I'm what I what I just desperately want is like a larger sample size of Kyle Lewis because it seems to me like every week that I look at him, he's a different hitter. And mm-hmm. I think what's sort of concerning about that, particularly when it comes to the launch angle, is that like being a high variance launch angle guy is problematic. That is why we see 
uh, folks like uh, Josh Bell and to an even greater extent, poor Reese Hoskins struggling is that they have like a high variance with their launch angle. So just like, yeah, it's something that kind of concerns me. Understandably so. I, I really do think that that is definitely fair. With regards to Kyle Lewis, um, again, that's why I want to look more forward than than to focus on just the uh, um, here and now because it, again, you're, you're sitting them right or you're starting them right now. You're, you're playing them in all formats, and we'll figure it out as we go. But there are some peculiar things in what he has going on. Um, I cut out the guy who was supposed to be next, and we're going to wrap up with this last guy here, Donovan Solano. This dude just constantly hits line drives. That he is obsessed with it. Dare I say he does it like it's his job um, because dude is just raking. Not some up and comer, y'all. He is 32. He's a journeyman. Like he is a prototypical journeyman, but he's hitting a cool 458, 476, 661 with a 14% strikeout rate. It's been unbelievable what we've seen from Solano. He just keeps going. He's got a 29% line drive rate. It was at 34% last year. By the way, that's another interesting thing about him. This is not just this year. He had an 81-game run of a 330 average last year with the Giants. Where were you at on this, Justin? <laughs> Why did you get in on this Solano business, dog? Uh, but no, what what the hell's going on, Justin? What, it, it, how real is this? Obviously not at a 458 or a 520 BABIP. But is he a batting average, uh, you know, filler for folks who are dealing with these hilariously bad averages that we started the show talking about? I don't know. It, like, it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> like, uh, it sure doesn't. <laughs> like, and I watch a lot of Giants games, and I like I watch him, and like, I mean, he takes good at bats. Uh, it still doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, 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 I really don't know what to make of it. Um, I mean, I guess you ride the streak. I mean, he swings uh, outside of the zone a lot. <laughs> if you can make contact with yeah. it, it's not. It, it's, that's the thing too. We have to be careful with a stat like like O swing. It's not inherently bad if you can make the right contact. But he's zone. not like a. Cr I mean, he's been kind of a crazy zone contact guy in the past, and a crazy you know o, o contact guy in the past too. But it's not. Like that's not what's happening right now either. I just think he, I gotta, I gotta. My guess is his Babip's super high. Yeah, okay, there it it's is. Five yeah, <laughs> twenty. It's, it's, it's <laughs> gonna regress to the mean of whatever it was that you said earlier. Yeah, six hundred and forty-two. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> right there with uh, Kyle he's, Lewis. Is like, he's I got a, him the same. He's a career like high Babip guy, and the projection systems like had him. You know, Zips had him for a three sixty-two Babip. Um, coming into the season, and, and I mean, steamer and depth charts, uh, and the bat like all like 330, 340. Uh, so I mean, he, he's gonna have a high BABIP, which I think means he probably will have you know be a, an average asset. And the Giants have no reason not to continue to play him because they suck. Like, it's like I, I hate to say it because it's my team, but like they they are really, really bad, especially offensively. So I get. I mean, I'm assuming he's picked up in most 15 team leagues, so 10 and 12s. Yeah, you know, kind of take a look and see if he's there, especially if your batting average is failing. But you're not going to get anything but batting average. I mean, this is, uh, I guess, the Giants' version of like Luis Arise. Yep, yep. But without Arise, you know, when he's get when he gets going and he's um, at his best, he's also scoring a ton of runs because he's on mm -hmm. a great offense. So it's an even yeah. lesser iteration of that. But 
there's some team constructions out there, I, I guarantee it, because, again, we talked about it at the outset, that can definitely use Solano's average, because I think even as he regresses, I don't know that he's going to have that long period of, like, a 200 average to bring him down. He might just hit, like, 280 the rest of the way, which is perfectly fine for some people right now. And, and multi-position think, eligible, which always helps. He took the words right out of my mouth. I think he has some eligibility as well. So um, I do like to see that from, from Donovan Solano, too. Ellen, I feel like you probably uh, agree here on, on Solano. So I'm actually just going to bypass that. I want to add one other person here and see if you have any thoughts. I didn't prepare you for this, so if you don't, that's okay. But Jake Cronenworth was a big pickup for folks in uh, in leagues this week from San Diego. He was filling in for Eric Hosmer and doing a, a solid job. But now Hosmer's back, and Cronenworth has his eyes set on that second base job where Jerickson Profar hasn't done anything to establish himself there is Jake Cronenworth someone you're you're considering seriously Ellen um yeah I have uh, like not picked up Jake Cronenworth anywhere but I have um heard about him and looked into him a little bit um and you know I think that he has a, a sort of an interesting profile of you know offering you um a little bit of steals and a little bit of power mm-hmm. and uh, also kind of profiles as a, as a, um, high batting average, high BABIP guy. So like a naturally high batting average and he doesn't strike out a ton, um, 15.2%, uh, so far this year. And that's like around what we see in the minors as well. And so that's always good to see if you're in a points league or something like that. Absolutely. And, and like I said, you know, I sprung this one on y'all late because uh, I, I thought he was a better fit than the other guy. I, I feel like he's a more believable type of of um, Solano here where, yeah, he's not hitting the gaudy uh, 458, but he's hitting 344 with a 360 BABIP. It makes some sense. I think the playing time could be there, though. Profar is doing, like I said, nothing to hold the job. What do you think of him, Justin? And then we'll get out of here. I think he's a short term solution uh, for for the Padres at second base, but I mean this is also a team that is stacked uh, in terms of like their depth, you know, especially in the minor leagues. And I think it's a team that could uh, easily uh, look to address this via trade because they're a team that obviously, uh, I mean, ten and seven right now. Though I mean, everybody in in the West is seems to be doing fairly well, except for the Giants and D-backs. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Rockies have been a huge surprise. Yeah, so. Like I think, yeah, probably maybe a short-term average and steals play. I mean, he's a guy that I didn't think had this kind of speed in him coming this season, but he's 95th percentile in sprint speed. Yeah, uh, he stole 12 last year in 88 games with the Rays AAA. He's got some, he had 21 in AA in 2018 and just 108 games for Jake Cronenworth. He's the rare, I think he's shortstop. Outfield or shortstop first base, shortstop first base, I believe it would be. Um, and then he's going to add second base, I think, very quickly here. So you're going to have first, short, second from him. He's left. He's a lefty hitter. So at, at the worst, I think he can be like a strong side platoon type. I'm pretty intrigued by Cronenworth, and you know, I put some bids on him. It didn't come through because some people were higher, but I'm keeping a close eye on him. I think it could be a little bit more long term than you're looking at here, Justin, um, because I don't know that like. Ty France or Greg Garcia isn't necessarily a better option. Plus, the fact that he can move around so much makes him kind of the the obvious fill-in for a lot of different things. That if they were to go wrong with injuries, yeah, I just think that 
they're this is a team that'll look to address that spot. I mean, it's the, it's their weakest spot in their lineup. Um, well, catcher. Well, yeah. I mean, at least Hedges is decent defensively. He's good defensively, yeah. yeah. But Francisco Mejia, I think, uh, that, that, like, just got his first. Remember hit. how psyched people were on him as a yeah. switch hitting catcher who can hit like crazy. Mm-hmm. Maybe play. Other All he's got to do is stay behind the plate. Yeah. Yep. This is why you has, don't invest in catchers yeah, in Dynasty. Me. Yeah. Not even like Adley Rutschman or Joey Bart. They don't. Like, I just. I just don't do the fantasy catcher thing. Can, I'll miss the once in a generation one to not deal with the constant uh, downside of those guys. Can we find out where the hell Jorge Mateo is? Uh, he has COVID, dude. No, but supposedly he is now negative and has been for a while, but he's still on oh. the COVID IL. So, I mean, he must have gotten it where he actually really, you know, was symptomatic and maybe got pretty yeah. sick or something because, like, I, I my, my Jorge Mateo shares are, like, super lonely. It's, you know, that Millhouse <laughs> gif where he's playing Frisbee with himself. <laughs> That's really funny. We have some breaking news. Oh, no. Alex Cintron's getting 20 games. <gasps> Should have gotten more. I'm, I'm good with it, though. That's yeah. the biggest That's the biggest one uh, given to somebody. You know that Moriano's going to catch a, a fat one, though, too, as he should, by the way. Um, they're just words, man. Moriano has to be smarter They're just than that. words, but he, but Cintron has no place no, no, no. Hey, to hey, be hey. I'm, doing I'm that. Fully with like, you on that. Oh, I'm fully with you. Should have tossed like, him for the year. He's a dick for doing Like I got no use for that crap. My he talked issue. about his mom. Five, five games for Loriano. Yeah. It's a low blow. Five? Yeah, you know, okay. just hey, you know, just texted us. I'm so glad that that he got much lower than Cintron. Me too. Because you know, again, you got to be smarter than that because you could really put your team in major danger if he gets ten plus games uh, as a key part of their of their team. But what is Cintron as a coach too? And I, I know that the Hashos fans are probably going to lose their mind. We got the bigger damn blah blah blah. Whatever. I don't care. I'm glad because then also a bunch of people he hid behind a bunch of people too. Yeah, so you well, talk like, all this trash. Those are the you're worst. Not there, you're oh. not even there to to really get into the fracas, and that is what bothers me. If he stands there and, and wants to go toe to toe with Loriano. Then talk your shit. But the fact that, you know, and maybe maybe it wasn't on him 100%. Like, his players were supporting him and blocking him. But I'm like. No, you know, he, it, like, grabbed people and pushed them in front of them. Like, that's. I'm not letting him off the hook. I'm not I'm sorry. No, like, the, I, those are the worst people. It's always the loudest dude that is, like, yep. the one who's going to hide, uh, you know, after yeah. starting the fight. It's just, uh, just you know, the, I, I truly believe they should have said, you're done for the year. Um, I'm surprised it's only five though, games. So. Uh, I'm surprised it's only five for Loriano. Oh, no. I thought it was good to be like a ten. The the hard part with that is for fantasy uh, players is, uh, you know, five games not being that much. Maybe he doesn't appeal, and now you put him in your lineup for Monday, thinking, well, he'll play a mid appeal. I'll be able to switch him out on That's Thursday, and now you're gonna eat all those games the if, rest if w- of the week. That's exactly you know, what I was thinking, yeah. I would hope that maybe he talks with his team and they say, uh, do it now. We mm-hmm. need you down the stretch, man. We need oh, you I'm sure, but that screws fits. No, I know, I know. And so it's like, yeah, it, he, it came back lower than he thought. He might just jump out. If you don't have half-week changes, you might eat it this week. Mm-hmm. But I think if I'm Oakland and we're having a meeting, I say, Ramon, you, did, you do your time, man. Just take it right now. We need you as much in September as we can. We can't have you out. 
because you know usually you wait till like you get either near or in New York to mm-hmm. have your appeal. Obviously, that is flipped on its head this year, and that's not even going to happen. So I don't know the exact process, but uh, I'm really I'm really glad that uh, who that bet- who benefits hurt. is it? Does it, it Marietta? Be, I was thinking Robbie Chris Davis. Grossman. Uh, Grossman's think, already yeah. playing because he's just been on fire. I think Pinder. He's not been playing every day, has he? Pinder and Grossman. He's been yeah, strong no, side that, platooning it with with yeah, Chris I, Davis. I think, I think that the, well, Canha's going to play. Oh, you know what? Can uh, Chris Davis might get out of his platoon a little bit? Yeah, I think that Canha might, might be... just go to center and Davis. It, it, there's no one player. That's the as we all say, 15 different players. I think I heard Ellen say Ricky Henderson under her breath. Don't deny it. You said it. <laughs> um, as we all say, every Oakland A ever. I think the idea is that nobody's going to truly. This benefit. is the most frustrating team offensively. I think in some ways because. Like, they have other guys in the minors, too, that were top prospects at some nope. point. You know, Dustin Fowler and, and Sheldon, Sheldon uh, Nice, yep. yeah, or whatever his name is. Uh, Seth Brown, like a former uh, – or no, no, I'm thinking of someone else. Um, but, yeah. No, Seth Brown can swing it, though, too. Like, they have yeah. some interesting pieces, and they don't, have any t- they don't have any space for them. They can barely play the guys that they have, like Barreto and, and – Pinder all the time. Pinder's more of a lefty killer, anyway. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's interesting. So that that's what the suspension looks like. If it's five, then you might be able to appeal it down to four. But I might just eat it and say, let I me think, get the five out of the way it. right away. Yeah, yep. I think I think he should. Is, he got away scot free. It's gonna you know, hurt not, fantasy like, owners. I know they wouldn't raise it, but it, it would almost be like uh, it would almost like teach him a lesson if they did. You know, if he appeals and like, you <laughs> know what? That'd be so funny. Hey, we should we should have gone seven. And yeah. I'm glad you came here. It's seven now because I think he's getting away pretty nicely because you really, yeah. really, really can't do that. Even when people are saying awful things. I, I thought he was going to get the eight that Joe Kelly got. So did I. So did I. And I can't pretend, by the way, this is not me like uh, on my high horse saying I would have been better. Uh, it's because I know that I would be as dumb as Ramon Laureano that I know that it was a dumb move because I would do the same dumb shit that I can confidently say you can't do that. But um, he only gets five, so that's actually pretty good. And Cintron, talk shit, get hit, boy. Bye. Uh, anyway, Ellen, thank you so much for being on. People can oh find you goodness. on Twitter. Oh, my goodness. My pleasure. At Ellen underscore Adair. With all the lockdown and everything, I imagine acting is, is firmly on hold right now. So what are you doing to occupy your time besides uh, absorbing as much baseball as possible? Well, my husband and I actually started our own podcast called um, Take Me Into the Ball Game, in which we grade baseball movies on the 20 to 80 scouting scale. So we sort of ha- we have different tools for the movie, uh, like amount of baseball, baseball accuracy, storytelling delightfulness I, of catcher characters stuff like that and then we yeah we give them scouting grades i am in on this so mm-hmm. hard right now i'm literally downloading it as we speak i was not on it i will admit but i'm getting in on this please tell me is, is the sandlot have you done the sandlot yet we are going to be doing the sandlot next it won't come uh, out next because we're like a few weeks ahead okay. um in terms of the movies that we're watching and then in terms of the ones that we're releasing and also during the baseball season we are going to like every two weeks mostly so sure. that we can watch more baseball and also we assume that people want to be listening to podcasts that are about baseball that's actually happening, happening. Like um because at first, we envisioned it as sort of like everybody's in quarantine and there's no baseball, so we're going to try to provide baseball entertainment. Um, exactly. But yes, like the Sandlot absolutely will be happening soon because it is—it's already in the queue. Love it. I'm in. 
Again, Ellen underscore Adair. Give her a follow. She's great. Appreciate having you on so much. Justin, great talking with you. So glad you're COVID-free. Hope you all have a great rest of your day. And Justin, I'll be talking to you on Thursday. Peace. Thank you for listening to The Sleeper and the Bust.